toleration be the love Before pride and exaltation be the love Be the love You are listening to Be the Love, Transcending Through the Shadows. During this time of rapid global shifting, we all need tools to navigate this new state of consciousness and ascension. These tools are within all of us. We are souls on the journey, opening up the conversation to heal, awaken, and connect ourselves and the planet to a higher vibration of love frequency. This is our time. My name is Stacy Musiel. And my name is Sam Fernandez. And we are your co-hosts of Be The Love Podcast. Thank you for tuning in and ascending with us. Hop on board the Ascension Bus. This is Adrienne Elise of the Supernova Soul Tribe. This is Nicholas David Mann. This is Mia Tarduno. This is Brenda Carey from Sacred Path Healing Yoga and Reiki. Hi, my name's Steve Nabell. Here I am with Stacy and Sam on Be The Love Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Be The Love, Transcending Through the Shadows. I am Stacey Musial. And I am Sam Fernandez. And we are your co-hosts and souls on the journey. And thank you again so much for tuning in this week. And if you've enjoyed listening to our show, we would absolutely be so grateful for a five-star written review on iTunes. Reviews really help the show become more visible and spread the word to others. And if it feels safe for you, I'd like to begin by inviting you to take a moment to get centered with us. Take a beautiful cleansing breath in through your nose and out through your mouth, releasing anything that is keeping you from being present in this now moment. I'd like to invite you to take another deep breath in through your nose, breathing in calm, peaceful, loving energy and breathing out anything you are ready to release. And take one more breath in through your nose, breathing in light and love for yourself and breathe out the light and love and sending it back to all of humanity, remembering that you always, always have your breath to come back to you. Today we have Renee LeBeau, Renee is an acoustic alchemist creating vast soundscapes as a direct conduit of creation. She was born with hearing beyond the five senses and an oracular connection to the universal intelligence and unseen realms. Her life path would include playing guitar, percussion, and singing. In 2006, she discovered the magic of Tibetan singing bowls and began creating sound events and collaborations. In 2008, Renee expanded her events and new instruments, and she toured both in and out of the U.S. until 2019. Renee's band, Akana Acoustics, is a multidimensional aspect of sound, light, geometry, and language, a coherent field that is formless, fluid, and aligned with the heart of creation. Every offering catalyzes an inner quantum reality shift. As an embodied conduit of this stream, Renee's commitment is to activate this awareness, the dance of being and becoming in a seamless spiral. Akana Acoustics has released six albums and two DVDs and offers a variety of acoustic transmissions. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Renee. Thank you for inviting me. 
Absolutely. Excited to learn from you today and share with our audience the power of what you've been creating for and learning about, um, which sounds like it's been many years of development. And so I'm wondering if you could start out by telling us a little bit about your life path and your discovery of the power of sound. So I was born open. I came in as a cosmological anomaly. I was connected to the vastness. I had no reference point to an individualized being until about two years ago. So really came in backwards. Now we're still addressing the same issue. It's just in this polarized expression that humans have been presented with until now. The choice was you're either human or, you know, the expanded version of you or, and that separation, I came in with most of me in the expanded version, attempting to bring that in and embody fully. And the embodiment just occurred a few months ago. So not exactly what I would have imagined, certainly not at all. And I had no mentors other than non-physical beings. So my reference point was very much um, acoustical. I came in hearing my entire relationship to life around me was through my six non-physical senses and the strongest one was my hearing so later on you would discover that the metaphysical term for that would be clairaudience mm -hmm. i also carried clairsentience and at some point when all of that lines up i just went to clear knowing clear cognizance and technically i came in as an oracle and an oracle is not a psychic an oracle is an aspect of creation that is um able to excavate uh, potentialities, present them. And, uh, and for me, the acoustical part aligns the person with the knowing of what isn't, what is not resonant in their field so that they may show up as the fully embodied whole expression that they agreed to be. My entire life presented me, it was a bit of an obstacle course because I came in a long time ago. Um, I'm, not, I'm not young. These silver hairs are real. Um, <laughs> they're actually shifting back. So I have an interesting orientation with time. The thing that I noticed was that there are choices that humans have to make, especially when one does not have indigenosity. I think we've, we've lost a lot of the world has lost their innate indigenosity, whatever that is, even beyond the bloodline. And so these choice points without people guiding you and elders and the connection of spirit and matter gets bifurcated. And so that was for me the place where I was going to spend all of my time and energy, whether I was understood, whether I was, I mean, I've never belonged. Mm -hmm. um, I flip it and I say, well, it's really longing to be. So it's an unlearning, an uncoiling and a reorienting so that the argument between spirit and matter is dissolved, mm -hmm. which people could call separation, right? Mm -hmm. I did come up with my own language as a child because I, uh, I had to, nobody was talking like me. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you're talking about, yeah, just that energy that when the illusion of separation of the ego from the third, fourth, fifth dimension of reality, as we are recognizing maybe our, our oneness. And it sounds like you came to that place at a young age. I would say I came in beyond your dimensional 
exploration. Mm -hmm. So for me, there's a lot of misinformation, mm -hmm. dimensions, density. It's been fairly pervasive through every construct. For me, it's about dissolving the construct so you can access. Mm -hmm. uh, the ego gets blamed for a lot of things. I don't relate to that. Um, I'm a big fan of just noticing if there is an egoic aspect, and there's certainly a lot of spiritual ego showing up on lots of platforms, what is it driving? And if it's not about driving, can we place, can we take that individualized aspect and return it to its rightful position, which is not driving the car? Mm -hmm. And then we check in and see, well, who is driving the car? And are we looking in the rearview mirror? Because that's a, what a lot of the dogma's done is it, it got us to a particular point, but it's not going to move us forward. Mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're at a stopgap where we really have to choose not the idea of sovereignty, but the embodied expression, which is that. Mm. Which means spirit and matter is not separate, never has been, never will be. Mm. And we can talk about it and talk about mm -hmm. it and talk about it. And finally, I got frustrated and I tend to be um, very direct. And I made a demand to the cosmos and the universe and said, look, this is going to take way too long. You know, people are really stuck in their heads and excuse how I'm going to say it, but particularly the Western white culture. Mm -hmm. is very much from here up mm -hmm. and the metaphysical training that was coming through was really making the body wrong putting people in their third eye and their crown center which is the easiest place to hijack mm -hmm. and those words were present in my field 40 years ago so the relationship again comes back to how do we cultivate a relationship with spirit and matter that is in alignment and integrity using both harmony and disharmony and the alchemy is bringing them into balance with each other mm -hmm. there is no right there is no wrong it is the pure expression i had to come up with a name for it so i call it the heart of creation there is no dogma there there's no requirement there's no training in fact you can't get there from training we're undoing the training and getting back to our unique essence the mm -hmm. spirit our agreement and that I would say aligns with every indigenous group I had the pleasure of studying with or interacting with. They actually found me hysterical, you know, very funny, you know, asked me what life was like to come in as a woman in a white body. And my response was terrifying. I PhD'd in terror. And most people stop breathing when they hear that. It's the truest thing I can share because it's the sense of terror that locks people into the idea of who they are. And it's not real. So the tools that we are all presenting, the tools that we are asking to come about and the discipline it takes to stay with it. That's really, I asked for the most direct way. And it's like, well, you've got four pillars, you know, sound like geometry language. And I thought, okay. And I said, you, you are that. So you are that expression. And I'm like, okay. English is not, <laughs> even though I've, I've learned to use it and I'm very articulate. Mm -hmm. English is not what comes through any of my soundscapes, none of them. I have gone in the studio and I can sing in English. I can sing in different languages. I speak five, unless you count the languages that come through the soundscapes and um, they're all from different aspects of creation. Some are ancient beings, some are elders that have walked the earth most of them are star beings. 
going back to what you said about the embodiment of sound and how, you know, most people are living from here up or neck up. I think that, I mean, it's so true. You know, people are so disconnected from their body and finding that balance of, you know, that matter and energy and how we can truly live embodied. I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit more about that and how, what you do to help people create that balance. I'm going to say that I am the expression of it. Mm -hmm. And when you show up as that, people have to shift. Doesn't mean they're comfortable. Initially, let's see. I mean, I had to make a choice at five to shut it all down. I mean, galactic, stargates, everything. Mm -hmm. My best friends uh, were not physical beings. So Mm -hmm. it's very isolating. So one of the things that I discovered is also the amount of infiltration I had and also the shared space arrangements but also the fact that I was codependent with spirits and it's still a version of codependency. And where I saw people around, you know, humans around me becoming enmeshed and codependent with other physical beings or requiring an outer guru Mm. and a dogmatic tradition, which again is a great starting point. But it's almost like a bicycle with training wheels. At some point, you're going to take the training wheels off and ride the bike. So for me, it was um, always looking at, you know, I was always at the front edge of it, you know, and really they have terms for it, um, you know, way shower and awakener. I was really very Hayoka. And I was called Hayoka by a Native American elder. I didn't know what he meant. And so, you know, I asked him, he said, you walk into a room and in 15 minutes, the stuff is flying. I said, oh, absolutely. Because you're a storm, you're a storm bringer. I'm like, right. He said, you go out and you dance and ride in the lightning and the thunder and that's your home. Right, and I'm on the horse, but I'm riding it backwards because the horse knows where the horse is going. To me, that's the relationship with the body that we've lost, Mm -hmm. is that the vehicle has an innate sensory wisdom base that we've negated and avoided. And of course, we can bring it online. Part of it is the harmonic of the facilitator you're going to choose and very universal. The thing that people might not find useful is I bring up their shadow immediately and Hayoka does. I mean, it's like this. It's not I'm not dancing around it. I'm a full on acupuncture needle. Mm. And the shadow is there. At that point, I listen. How does the shadow wish to be addressed? Because there is a multiplicity of ways. I have found that the field of sound and the fields I create, which include everything, it's the most dynamic and direct way. Not the easiest or the kindest. It's not soft and fluffy. And so there is an initial foundational element where you address the core traumas that people carry in a way that doesn't fracture them further. Mm. So even my conversations with people, I am basically bringing fragments and fractures in every conversation. Is that similar to something like soul (laughs) retrieval? No, no. I got directed that way and I thought, oh, that's really weird. You know, Mm -hmm. and again, it's relevant, but it was really weird to me because soul is a recording device. You don't lose your soul. Your spirit Mm -hmm. might fragment. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. And your soul's going to record. So you see, a lot of this is intentionally misdirecting people so that mm. they don't have the ability to access their own wisdom. Mm. There's a lot of, I'm going to use the Australian term, a lot of dodgy agendas on the planet, which mm. we get to address mm. in a very, you know, we can be head centered, heart centered, body centered, but the truth is choose what's appropriate and be able to shift gears. Mm. Right? Because we're dancing in this, we are full on in the storm. Mm -hmm. And I would say um, what showed up through the beauty of Sandra Ingerman and her soul retrieval was the way in which it was going to come through. And for her, it's resonant. For me, it's not. Mm -hmm. It doesn't allow for the vastness of you and your star origins. Right. And as with any healing modality, I think it's important to take what resonates with you and then, you know, move on. That's what's going to help the healing process because every healing journey is different, right? I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about what exactly is Acoustic Alchemist? Well, I'm doing it right now. I'm creating a coherent, aligned feel where my voice is the primary instrument. I have a multitonal stereophonic voice which includes multiple aspects of me dimensionally. It's a multiplicity. It's kaleidoscopic. I can choose who I let speak through, or I can become a blend like a, t- like a chord. I can almost like create a, a trinity, or I do a lot with um, thirds and fifths, so I can bring in energetic aspects and combine them. I'm always reading the field in my audience. So every, every acoustic alchemy event was basically becoming the orchestration of creation where the group field, I would listen and both my voice and the instruments provided the ability to release that which is not, release toxins, dissolve, and come out the other side as your more embodied in tune expression. Mm. It's very much like the Vesica Pisces where you have two knowns, you start to overlap and that overlap is a birth portal. And in that, that's where the alchemy or magic happens. And then depending on the person, I don't override anyone's will. Their higher self might be the one that chooses they will always go further than their mind believes they can. That's the Mm. beauty of the field. Mm. And then coming out the other side, in a non-Western tradition, the event would end in silence. But in the West, people don't do that. Plus, a lot of people have gone way out or way in. Mm. In truth, this is all happening within us. Mm -hmm. So allowing people to have the space to really acknowledge the truth of what just happened and that it's real and that this version of them is now real. They have a new reference point. And that that creates a space after an event where there's about 10 to 15 minutes. And I will ask people to share because this is the other thing that's happened in the West is that people do not acknowledge that it's real unless one, they've expressed it through their throat, which is also a gateway between their lower embodied aspects and their beyond the body aspects. 
And the second thing is if one person has the courage to articulate something that was very different, unique, the whole group field will drop the program that says I'm crazy. Mm. And they'll go, oh my gosh, you did. And then they now are embodying those aspects and fragments that they pushed out because they're waiting for someone to tell them that they're okay. Mm -hmm. It's like the missing permission slip. Well, every single soundscape I put out, all six albums are transmissions. Mm -hmm. They assist people in the ongoing. Mm -hmm. Two of them are high level sentient transmissions, sentient beings. Metatron's heart rebalances the relationship between spirit and matter. It's a very powerful tool. And my most recent one, Sophionic Symphony, addresses the mother line, all mm. of the distortions in the mother line and the feminine. Mm, which is what also, we need so much yeah, on the planet right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, and for me, it's about being the conduit of that and getting out of the way so that I'm not projecting my trauma into it mm -hmm. and allowing my experiential knowing to be the GPS that guides people back home. Because mm. if we've lost our center, we've lost our home. We don't know where home is. Yeah. And that makes us easy to be messed with, really. Hijack, whatever, all of this stuff that Absolutely. is happening that most people don't want to look at. I've mm. never not had a choice. That's all, That's been a part of my reality since pre-birth. Wow. Yeah. Sounds like such a journey. That's beautiful. It's been a ride. Mr. Toad's yeah. wild ride at times. And you know, <laughs> 2020 was Mr. Toad's wild ride on acid because I'm right? home. <laughs> right. And they're like the roaming gnome. It's like, well, sanctuary at home. I'm like, I don't have a home. <laughs> right. So part wow. of it is also the um the willingness to be who you are and to interact mm -hmm. with the beings that are showing up. Mm-hmm. No matter I think what. that's I think that's key right now is being, you know, able to be who we are and showing up and, and stepping into our light, stepping into our truth and our soul's mission and, and our sovereignty here as, you know, humans on this planet, we've been given the message oftentimes that's not okay. And so I think many people are starting to see that. So they're stepping into their soul's truth and, and really the soul's mission and speaking out which is really important. And part of it is, I'm just going to say that we have to stop banishing the dark. It's way past time because you're never going to achieve embodied wholeness if you keep separating it out and saying, this totally. is light, this is dark, this is good, this is, it's just not true, never has been true. Mm -hmm. It's a Sorry. bifurcating system of magnitude. That three-dimensional duality, right? When we've been taught oh, it, to like... It exists in fourth and fifth. And this is where I take the metaphysical Mushkoi Ushus apart. Mm. I, and unfortunately, I've been directed, or fortunately, depends on the reference point. I've been directed in to call out the nonsense mm. in the Ministry of Misinformation. 40 years. And important no, job. There's, no, there's no safety in that, by the way. Mm -hmm. Oh, been, no. I've been attacked. I've been crucified. I've been annihilated. I can imagine. It's a tough world out there right now. Well, it was a tough world 50 years ago. True. It was I a tough imagine. world 54 years ago when I was born. <laughs> 
you know, so, so if I flip it and say, okay, if I focus on the limitations that everyone made real and I show up as the way out, the assumption was that people were going to say, yes, yippee, let's do it. Mm. That isn't what happened. Mm. Yeah, that's, uh, that seems like it's kind of, you know, one of the, uh, uh, pause and or the thorns in the pause of mankind is that we are afraid of what we don't understand, you know, and uh, it seems like lately anyway, and when I say lately, I mean, within the past like 10, 15 years, that kind of stigma is uh, being relieved a little bit, you know, that there, it is starting to become, we're starting to become more understanding people, you know, and in that, and it's uh, something that you know, you said uh, back at the beginning about, you know, connecting with indigenous and ancestral, just connecting with them, you know, and, and relearning from them. And it seems like a lot of people right now are going back to their quote unquote roots, you know, are going back to those ancestral and indigenous timelines, you know, and now people are finding all this, you know, all this information that we already had, but are rediscovering about like plant medicine, you know, and about what you do, you know, with, with uh, uh, frequency, you know, therapy and, and, and stuff like that, things that have been here before the dawn of our time that were completely washed away through generations of the man works, the women cooks, or, you know, the woman works, the man cooks, and everybody's in this little box. And it's, it's really refreshing to see people breaking out of that box. I believe, you know, it, it, you know, like you said before, you need that, that one person, that, that one person to kind of step out and say, this is what feels right to me. And then there's other people. Oh yeah, that, that kind of makes sense. That kind of makes sense. And it kind of builds up from there. And it seems to me like that's, you know, there's, there's been kind of a push in that direction of what we have been conditioned for so many years is not working anymore. And instead of trying to recreate the wheel, let's go back to when the wheel was created, you know, and let's go back to, to being actually in touch with the frequency of the earth and of our ancestors. And let's see what, let's see what happens. And it seems like so far it's the, the results have been pretty, pretty amazing. Do you agree with that? Gaia is the first direct connect planet that's ever existed let's take a moment and really get what that means she is directly connected to all that is i've had it confirmed by one other human and this human really pushed me and got me out of a major shit show apologies for the non-pg-13 word <laughs> i've tried really hard to keep it pg-13 oh it's okay we are not pg-13 on um, the show <laughs> the truth is is that gaia has now you know, Gaia is the higher self of the planet and Terra is the body. Mm. And we are now able to tap into her subtle energy healing interference clearing program from an embodied state. But we can't go backwards to do that. This is a future timeline and she is presenting the opportunity for us to become whole now, mm. including our star lineages, our spirit orientations, all of the incarnations that we have. That's the richest treasure we could ever imagine engaging with. And it's all within us. So how we get there depends on how long you want to be at this. Me, I'm very much about precision, accuracy, alignment and expediency. Because some of us have been at this for a very, very, very long time. And we were eons. We had already addressed, we have already been through 
what I'm calling the galactic wars. Mm -hmm. We have to bring the awareness of what that taught us other than to be afraid of controllers mm -hmm. because that's the primary program running. You know, is that, you know, we have to be, we have to acquiesce that three, that any dimensional reality on earth has to be controlled. Mm -hmm. That isn't true. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so the, the way out of it for each person is going to require dissolving the comfort zone. It really is. Mm -hmm. And finding that you can surrender and be held in something that has never been known. Um, and then cultivating all of the aspects, because a lot of us have really, you know, we have living um, archetypes mm -hmm. and we can get locked in them. And then That's... there's going to be this little tiny yoo-hoo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and can we listen to the yoo-hoo? Mm -hmm. You know, and it's like, who said? It's like, I'm over here. <laughs> and it's that beautiful whisper. Sometimes mm -hmm. it comes in and just lights your heart up and creates an entirely new direction. Mm -hmm. Today is 1022 and we mm -hmm. chose 11 a.m. to do the interview. Mm -hmm. That was chosen. And this is a magnificent opportunity in which to come through with our inner GPS is being retuned mm -hmm. every breath, every moment. And if we don't judge ourselves for how we're doing, there's a lot more space. Right. Yeah. And uh, I don't, I don't know if you, if you guys noticed it, but we actually started the interview at 1122. Of course we did. <laughs> right. Of course yeah. we did. <laughs> and it's not even a surprise anymore. It's like, oh yeah, yeah that, that actually makes sense. <laughs> Which is a number I see almost every day. <laughs> That's so funny. It is lovely to celebrate it, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's lovely to acknowledge and celebrate that your awareness that you are in that in tune with everything. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think numbers, I mean, yeah, they're, they're sending us messages, right? I mean, just the vibration of those and, and what they mean. And when we, when we're really paying attention, you know, and tap into that, you know, we can really receive those powerful messages from the universe through those numbers. Yeah. And so I'm wondering, um, you know, just kind of looking at, you know, the, um, alchemy acoustics and the sound vibration and how you know you talked a little bit like how it affects even like Gaia on the macro level and then through our spirit and, and ancestral and I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about how it might impact us on a cellular level and how it affects the brain waves and how we can really tap into that energy for deep healing so I don't use the word healing. I'm extremely controversial mm -hmm. in that regard. I have Chiron stationed 30 seconds off my high heaven or mid heaven for main astrologers. That means that I am an expression of the wound becoming the medicine. I am the medicine. I am the medicine. Mm -hmm. So for a lot of people, I am a lot like a medicine journey. A lot of people in my younger years had to do drugs to get to where I was at naturally, innately, because they had created a barrier. So when we talk about barriers, we're also talking about disconnecting from the intelligence of the body. And the body is primarily water. And beautiful Masaru Emoto, Emoto Masaru, I'm mm -hmm. going to say it backwards, but forgive <laughs> me, I do that regularly. Um, 
he took the time to create a study of what happens to cells when they are directed with frequencies. Well, that's exactly what my voice and all the instruments are up to, is they're going in and basically rearranging the organ systems, the organs, the cells, the DNA, in order for the programming implants, imprints, overlays to be released, no matter where the source is, because I go, the field is all the way to all that is. Clear all the way to origin and include the support of Gaia so that the body may be the resonant chamber, vehicle of your expression for the time you're here. That creates new neural pathways. I've not had people uh, actually study any of the things. I veered very far away from that. I did take sound healing training, the voice training from Tom Kenyon, who came in from the scientific place and talked about the Hathors. Mm. And there are a lot of different ways in which we can take the training from other people. It's just at some point, the training is going to become the limitation, especially if you agree to bring all of what you can bring here. But it can't fit in the body, so you actually have to be willing to reside in a vast field and continuously undo the programming that it's not safe to exist. The cells respond to your environment, nutrition, water, food, air, people you're around, social media. And you hear my voice, it does that. Yeah, social media. We, have, we get to become, instead of saying, oh, not that, it's like, how do we consciously engage with a world that is not necessarily in tune with our frequency? Yeah, so now sometimes, and by the way, my reality has always been a spiral. So sometimes I talk around it, I talk around it, I talk around it, I talk around it, but I'm actually encasing it. Mm -hmm. But if that didn't explain it sufficiently, come back in and um, create another question so I can, I can address it. You know, that, uh, that just uh, real quick, sorry, Stace, but when you were talking about the spiral thing, that just reminded me of this, uh, this um, story that I was reading a Buddhist story about, you know, the, the stupas and uh, how the stupas are always in a spiral up. Um, and I think that that is because, you know, like a, a Buddhist believe that, you know, there, there's not, it's not a straight line, you know, it's not point A to point B. There is all this the spiraling around, you know, this, this, this journey that you have to do. And uh, yeah, sorry. When, when you said the spiraling thing, that's just, that's just what popped in my mind. So I, I had to mention that. No. And I think you did a great job of, yeah, explaining um, that. I love that, you know, I, I sense that, you know, that spiral, you know, as you were talking about it as well. Um, so no, that was really great. Um, can you talk a little bit more too, maybe about the connection between vibration frequency and sacred geometry, which is something that I think is just such a powerful, um, connection once we can really 
utilize that and understand it. It's never been disconnected for me. Hmm. That's, that's a human mind trick. It's never been disconnected. Now, if people carry belief constructs that maintain that it is separate, then you, you kind of had to check in to, to figure out where to put the crowbar. It can be a bit like lifting up Pandora's box, um, particularly with the mind-centric phenomenon happening now. Um, also, now I'm just going to throw in, I'm very, very, very aware of the AI agenda. So artificial intelligence is artificial intelligence. It's not just this thing that's out there. It's artificial news, artificial media, artificial truth. The way that we kind of come back into our wholeness and is to find where am I centered? Do I have a center? Is something influencing that center? And once you start to reside your inner reality, your physical body becomes more spacious and you no longer have that sense of one, it's out there. Mm -hmm. And two, that sound light geometry in language isn't flowing and fluid all the time. You begin to notice where you're limiting it in order to maintain a reality because you've been taught that way, you've been conditioned that way, and the people around you demand it, and you have to find the courage to come up against that. Now, you might choose to be the front end loader, back end loader, and human wrecking ball, which is how I functioned, a lot like Pluto. Don't recommend it. It's fun for a while, <laughs> not long term. Um, you can dissolve it, you can hug it, you can transcend it, there are so many ways. If we focus on the modality, we're giving our power away again. We're mm -hmm. saying the modality. Mm -hmm. If I really deeply reside that the universe and the cosmos is within me, mm -hmm. I'm able to be that beacon. Mm -hmm. And it's transmitting that to others all the time. It's like mm -hmm. innate Wi-Fi in a way. I've never described it that way. It's kind of surprising. But then again, mm -hmm. you know, I love that. You know, I mean, really, and, and kind of go back to what you said earlier is I am the medicine. Um, I am, you know, the medicine. It is everything is within me. It's not about, you know, yeah, the modality. It's, you know, how maybe the, the modality is, you know, in my being already. But I'm, I'm wondering too, like how using, you know, something like you, the hand pans that you use, you know, might enter, you know, and raise the vibration of, um, and, and maybe change the, begin to shift the sh cell structure of our being. And maybe like with you, you mentioned um, Imazuro Emoto, how, you know, the messages of water, you know, and, and what we are saying, the vibration that we're bringing into our cells, it's changing that cellular, cellular structure into these crystalline formations that are you know that's sacred geometry and so like i'm wondering like you know if you can just maybe speak a little bit more about that aspect i'm getting cued um i'm going to talk briefly about my relationship with hand pens and i'm just going to do a little bit of um, i'm always educating people so that instrument 
was born through a company in Switzerland named Panart. It's called a hong because it means hand in Swiss. The first instrument that came out is a hong. There's currently an incredible um, war going on in the handpan community, which I'm sad about, but it just seems to be what's required right now to create a creative differential in order for something new to show up. So this instrument is a first generation hong in the pygmy tuning. Pygmy tuning, a lot of the handpan players afterwards try to keep the tunings similar so that other handpan people could play together. The beauty of this instrument is it will not play if you're in your head. Mm. Or it sounds like you're playing a garbage can lid. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't let anybody play this. Mm -hmm. She is the empress. I made an exception when I went to the Steel Mountain handpan gathering. It was surrounded by people that blew me away, handpan makers, players. I made an exception. This, this particular instrument I discovered online and I played in the air for six years mm -hmm. without an instrument. I'm kind of the weirdest handpan player I've ever met because it didn't translate particularly well once I found the instrument. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I did trade. I'm the second owner of this instrument. There was a very lovely human being that chose to part with it in exchange for energy work, also knowing that I was gonna take the instrument and move it far and wide, and I have. Um, they are very, very sensitive. They're sensitive to cold, they're sensitive to hot, they're sensitive to frequency shifts. Um, and I don't play them percussively. I play, I finesse the field with it. So a lot of times the handpan will be the beginning and or the end of a sound event. I played in restaurant settings. I played in a wedding. It can be a background. It's very much an ambient field. Now for her, um, I would say, I'm just gonna go ahead. It'd be better to give a demonstration. Yeah, please do. Talking about it is me doing what I said we don't do. Cause once you discover, let's see if I can get this set up and sorry. I don't have a big enough lap for the instrument. So I use my feet. what happened when I did that mm. notice you didn't have to tell yourself to drop into your heart or your body your breathing regulated you went into your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system it all started regulating itself 
from your organic tuning. Yeah, I feel like I could definitely feel that that uh, shift in my own energy and just feel that, um, yeah, I just feel more centered and calm. Absolutely. Thank you, you for know, sharing that. When I, when I hear um, things, you know, like a hand pan or, you know, like a native flute or, or something like that, it's really hard for me to explain, but it, it takes me somewhere and the somewhere it takes me. It's like, uh, almost like a, almost like a like a like a magical place but not like you know uh fairies and unicorns that kind of magic but it's like it's in a almost like a different realm you know and uh i don't know every time i hear something like that the old like one of the things that popped in my head is oh i wonder if this is how you know merlin felt when he was doing his alchemy you know like that that just that just popped in my head um but and and you did say you know um how you know your your parasympathetic Merlin was uh, my best friend growing up by the way was he <laughs> Merlin was my best friend I've always I had a purple I've, room and Merlin was my best friend until yeah. I was five and I had to shut it down and later on I had a huge ass argument with him and said yeah, I was angry and it's like where did you go because I go anywhere where'd you go yeah <laughs> yeah and it's you see it's a question that's what an oracle does you just did it you mm -hmm. brought your oracular wisdom on and you asked a question I wonder if this is how Merlin felt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it was just, yeah. And on top of, you know, like you said, the parasympathetic nervous system kind of regulating and your breath kind of regulating and stuff like that. Um, when you said that, you know, you've played in a, in a restaurant setting in particular, how, how did, you know, the energy and like the, you know, the attitudes and all that shift from before you started to after you started? I'm really curious. Um, it, it was a restaurant in Santa Fe and I did events in the same area. There's a little mini shopping area and I did events at Dragon Rising Yoga Studio, a very beautiful acoustical space. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had a, you know, my photographer, videographer, a very dear friend designed my brochures. He said, we went and had a meal at Sweetwater Harvest Kitchen. He goes, you know, I see you playing here. And I looked at him, I said, did you get hit in your head? <laughs> Seriously. And then I looked at the two owners and, you know, a lot of this happens where one's the business, one's the energy. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, why don't we approach? And so we, I did an audition. I brought the pygmy hong and we auditioned and there's a space. And really what it was doing is in Santa Fe, there was the element that was missing is water. So it's, I became, and the instrument became an acoustical waterfall playing mm. in the background. Mm. And I would play from six to eight. Now, from time to time, people would come in and I would hear play them. So I would play them based on their field, not necessarily how they're orienting. Mm. What we noticed is what the space felt bigger, felt faster. There was definitely greater harmonics between the people. Mm -hmm. The wait staff got along better. The cooks and the wait staff got along better. Tips went up. Mm. And everyone in the restaurant had a better time. <laughs> people in the restaurant were not people that would have come to an event. So they got to experience something without having to leave their comfort zone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
digestion approved. I love the experiences, the kids, the adults, all of it. It yeah. really brought it into, plus I got great food. I got paid mm -hmm. and I had a great meal. Mm. You know, I it's, um, I, and again, I'd love to do more of that. Mm -hmm. uh, in the current setting, that's not likely to be possible. Um, however, the instruments are the instruments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. It sounds like, I mean, just making, you know, shifting the energy, you know, when you do get the opportunity to play like you did for us here. And hopefully when our listeners hear that too, they'll be able to really tune in and, and hear that and be able to experience that. So Renee, I'm wondering if you could tell our listeners how they can find you and what you're currently working on right now. Sure. I just released my sixth album, Sophionic Symphony. I will be re starting a, a group based on the wisdom of Sophia and the cosmology of Sophia, which is very unlike anyone else's perception. It will be a very kaleidoscopic framework in which we bring our indigenous wisdom online through mm. the aspects of Sophia, mm. Sophia herself. And then the intent would be, if you choose to embody your higher self and go direct connect to all that is. Mm. I love that. And we can add your website and anything else, any other links you'd like yeah. us to on your show notes. Yeah. Website. Yeah. I've got Vimeo, YouTube. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Renee. And thank, thank you for you. sharing the space to have this beautiful conversation. Thank you. And thank you for listening to our show. Stay tuned for more episodes being released on Mondays at 5.55 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. And if you've enjoyed listening to our show, we would absolutely love a five-star written review on iTunes. And of course, please share the love by sharing it with your friends. And if you want to support the work that we're doing, please consider making a donation to our show by visiting our Patreon website at patreon.com forward slash be the love podcast. And until next time, love yourself, love each other and love the world. We love you. We at Be The Love Podcast are honored to be supporting the Komodi Foundation, which is a nonprofit organization in Uganda that is working to build a school that will promote and support healthcare, education, skills development, feeding the hungry, human rights, and environmental defenders. Their goal is to work with young mothers and single mothers, street children, and vulnerable families who lack nurture as they guide them to become productive individuals, which will lead to a productive generation. Please see our show notes on how to become a donor, mentor, volunteer, or sponsor. Thank you, Heather Lynn, for providing us with your beautiful song to accompany our show, Be The Love. If you would like to learn more about Heather Lynn and her music, please visit her website at heatherlynnmusic.com. And thank you, Chrissy Grace at Leading Edge Productions for the beautiful design and graphics. And thank you for tuning in. And until next time, we are souls on the journey. And thank you for hopping on the Ascension bus with us. And remember, there is always a seat for you.